Welcome to the Faculty Podcast brought to you by Reformed Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C., part of the 50-plus year endeavor to train pastors and other church leaders in the ministry of the gospel in the United States and around the world. My name is Scott Redd, and we have a near full house here today. We've got Dr. Tommy Keene, Dr. Grace Sutanto, Dr. Peter Lee, and Dr. Paul Jean, and we are all here, all hands on deck, to start a new series in the podcast. Uh, we are putting behind us the childish things of surviving and thriving seminary and moving on to the meat and potatoes work. I'm sorry, I'm teaching Hebrews in, uh, in Sunday morning, Sunday school. Yeah. So that's yeah, a, that's I'm just book. stuck in my head. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we are moving on to a new series, and the series is The Fruit of the Spirit. Yep. So we're going to be living... For the next couple of months here in Paul's letter to the Galatians, uh, particularly Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and following, this discussion of the fruit of the Spirit and what are the fruit of the Spirit. So what we're going to do today is we're going to do a little intro to the fruit. Where does that come from? Why that kind of language? And then we're going to dive into the first one that is the first fruit of the Spirit, love. Okay? So brothers all kinds of issues there before we jump into love itself let's talk a little bit about why what what does it mean for the spirit to have fruit in our lives we have somebody on the podcast that's writing a commentary on galatians but this is a actually a systematic question so, <laughs> we do have passing, passing the conch <laughs> but systematic theology is built on top of biblical theology mm-hmm. so I have to wait and see what to wait. if everybody keeps demurring the, 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 the Old Testament guys will do what we do which is just step in and talk about things that we don't have any expertise in so. right. you guys well. are just so exhausting <laughs> someone just answered the question All right, what was the question well what are the fruits of the spirit and one of the things I, I kind of would want to mention here is, and this isn't an, this isn't an answer to the question, but <laughs> one of the things we can distinguish is the gift of the Spirit versus the fruits of the Spirit versus the gifts of the Spirit. Now, they all mm-hmm. go together, right? They're all part of that one single gift. The church has been given the Spirit to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, Ephesians 4, and uh, we all have the Spirit because of our union with Christ our union, our, the Spirit establishes that union with Christ and flows out of that union with Christ. And from that gift of the Spirit, we get the gifts of the Spirit, which is, you know, teaching and works of service and all of those kinds of administrations on one of Paul's lists, you know, all mm-hmm. of these kinds of things that are gifts of the Spirit. But the goal of all of that is the fruit of the Spirit. Mm. And one of the things that we can remember is that the the fruit of the Spirit is the telos. It is, the, the fruit is actually greater than the gifts because the gifts are meant to produce fruit. We talk a lot about the gifts and are you equipped for teaching? Are you equipped for service? What, what are your spiritual gifts? And we forget the fact that the purpose of the gifts is to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the things I'd want to mention kind of from the outset is how important and significant this this is. This is that we were, we were, given the spirit for that's, that's, this work that's great and all i mean housed in this whole idea of caris right of grace being a gift right that all of this is gifted it's not right. an earned right. it's not a wage 
Right. It's not a salary. It's something that is given and, you know, to go with Barclay's work on Paul and the gift. Yeah. Yeah. It's an inappropriate gift. It's, it's, it's out of, uh, it it breaks down barriers and structures because Mm -hmm. of the power of this gift, not to go too far beyond this, but yeah, I like how you're talking about that. And then it's got this tell us there's a goal to it, which is this thing that we're calling the fruit. Yeah. And and Paul does this a couple of spots. We're going to camp out in Galatians, right? But the same thing is going on in, in, First Corinthians, in fact, there Paul is talking about the gifts of the Spirit and said, but I'll show you a still greater way. You know, mm-hmm. without teaching, without love is a sounding gong, right? So mm-hmm. you get that love passage, which is not about marriage. It's about the church and right. what the church should be producing. And the church should be producing um, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is our topic for today, love. the chief of the gifts, love. I would also point out, I mean, this is that common agrarian metaphor. I like this passage in the language that's used because it's very much reminds me of Paul expanding on and updating classic Old Testament teaching, which is that you have the thing that gives life, whether it's a stream, you know, by, by a tree that's planted the word of the Lord or trusting and delighting in the Lord. That's the stream. That's the thing that gives life. And then the way you know the tree has life is because it bears fruit. No, no farmer would think that the tree got its life from the fruit. You'd be a bad farmer if you thought that, if you thought that your tree gets its life from the apples that are hanging in the tree or from the green leaves. That's not where it gets its life from. It gets its life from the water that's coming in through the roots. So what is this? This is the fruit of the spirit. This is not the thing that gives you life joy, love, gentleness, all these things, they, they don't give you life, but rather they are the fruit of your life, right. right? Which is an important distinction to make because even today people still wrestle with that. You know, if I have the Spirit, I have these diagnostics to help me know about the work of the Spirit. But just like a thermometer doesn't give you a fever, right, or give you good health, yeah. uh, neither, neither are these things the things that are the groundwork for your new life in the Spirit, right? But the Spirit is the one who's giving you these things. I do have a pastoral question regarding the fruits of the Spirit, because whenever I read, uh, you know, and think of this passage and think of the fruits of the Spirit, I do think of it more pastorally than theologically. And the question is, you know, as we talked about, you know, Scott, you were just talking about, you know, like a tree producing fruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we encourage people who who struggle with manifesting these yeah. fruits of the spirit? You know, love as we're going to, and not just love. If you look at the list here, we uh, will show aspects of this from in, at greater moments and other times, perhaps in our lives. But yeah. you have those times when, you know, you you're more curmudgeonly than loving. You're impatient. You're not. You know, I struggle with kindness sometimes in terms of being grumpy. Uh, what do you say to uh, our people in our churches who will look at this perhaps as a way, in a, you know, not the way that you say it, uh, as you were just talking about as God, but more as, oh, man, I'm not loving, therefore I must not have the Spirit, therefore I must not be saved. No. That's a great question. I mean, from the, the, the assurance issue. And I think we have to recognize that assurance which at the end of the day is an existential feeling, right? Mm -hmm. Assurance itself is a result of the spirit that people have just as with other gifts, people have in various degrees, 
right? You have various degrees, and I, I, I've known saints who honestly live their whole lives, uh, and everyone around them is convinced of their salvation, but they still wrestle with assurance, right? And then other people sometimes who have mm-hmm. faith that I'm sometimes like, are you sure you're a Christian? <laughs> you know, but they they have a strong sense of assurance in the gospel, and it's a true sense of assurance in the gospel. You know, so assurance is a really interesting question. I always start off with that, though, when talking about it, is that you can't look at somebody else and say, well, if I'm not like them, then I must not have the spirit. You know, the sh- assurance is, is given in varying degrees. However, with that said, I mean, I'd say, yeah, is this something that um, in faith, like in Christ, you are desiring? I'm recognizing that I'm a curmudgeon most most mornings, you know. Um, I know, man, for me, it's it's the morning time. I wake up, I'm tired, and I, I don't think I bear any of these fruits, right? Mm. But then there's repentance, <clears throat> there's a desire, there's this yearning, there's yeah. this recognition of falling short. That's that to me is also the working out of the spirit. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And one of the things when we talk about like assurance and sanctification and growing in grace, one of the kind of word groups that we tend to well, the sanctification word group. As we start to think about that, we are looking for holiness and perfection. Yeah. But there's another word group that I think is actually probably more helpful, which is maturity. Yeah. That we're. It, it, that is the growth metaphor. That yeah. is the fruit. We're, we're going from seedling to maturation. You said it, Hebrews was your book. It, it, I mean, that's my book. I like, I like <laughs> Hebrews. I mean, it's just a great book. It's a and good book. It, yeah, and it, it, it talks about that, right, as, yeah. a, as a, a growth in the midst of, of, of perseverance. So I like that word group and that kind of that way of thinking about it. Am I, am I maturing in faith? Mm-hmm. Rather than have I peaked in, in, in my perfect? Yeah. The, the thing people often say, you know, dead men don't know they're dead, right? For someone who's really wrestling with the fruit of the Spirit in their lives and, and assurance or lack of assurance because of that, you say, listen, the fact that you're wrestling with this, that's a really good sign. If yeah. what you're looking yeah. for is assurance, I'm not, again, this isn't what saves you, right? Mm-hmm. You have to be careful because it's easy for us to think the diagnostic is the cure and that's not the case but if this is the thing you're wrestling with that's a really good sign right that's a really good sign of the work of the spirit it's a kind of tempting to be you know to have that moment of you know uh i am manifesting this now Mm -hmm. and or i'm not manifesting this now but it's just that momentary uh uh uh, sort of evaluation, as opposed to seeing, as you said, Tommy, over a long term maturation, growth, yeah. which is not something that you just, you know, can sense uh, at a moment or after a day or a week, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and and there is a, a danger. It seems that you know you just kind of look in within yourself for some type of stability, and you're never going to find it. As opposed mm-hmm. to just constantly, you know, looking to Christ and yeah. and. Uh, and and resting in his work. So th- mm-hmm. thank you. That's helpful. Well, and I know you're preaching through First John <clears throat> right now. Right? I am. Yeah. So I think that gets at the assurance question a lot too. With the, you know, it, it, it actually assurance is the is lived in this tension of on the one hand he says he's without sin is a liar, and on the other hand, uh, I write to you, little so children, that you don't so sin. that you do not sin. You know that that is the area that is the path of maturity that's probably the reason why the assurance thing is somewhat perhaps in the way that i'm 
reading this now is because you know first john is written with that intent to to assure god's people of their salvation um and so i appreciate that dialogue, it's, yeah. it's my experience in the church not just in the congregation but also speaking to presbyteries this is what people deal with assurance of faith is such a huge issue and it's kind of the the thing that people suffer in silence about too because you're a little worried that you might draw attention to yourself or something, right? As an unbeliever, maybe, or something like that. That I, I hear a lot of assurance of faith concerns in the church. Could I ask a uh, exegetical question on the fruits of spare passage here for our New Testament, even our Old Testament guy, everyone but our theologian? They don't exegete. <laughs> <laughs> This is the curmudgeon yeah. coming uh-huh. out there. I, th- <laughs> yeah. I think we need a new, in 2023, we need to be nicer to Gray. I'm going to struggle with kindness. I'm going to be up front right now when, uh, when it comes, when to, it comes to it. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> for, for some yeah, odd Gray, reason, I don't have struggle with this yeah. with Indita. <laughs> yeah. Indita's Gray, just Gray much more lovable. How about some of the fruit of the Spirit right now? Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. Uh, touche. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm just curious, guys, about the singular here. The fruit of the Spirit is, and then it lists, you know, like mm-hmm. however many fruits there are. Is there something to that? Why is it not fruits of the Spirit are? Mm-hmm. Dr. King? Because it's a collective noun. That's what I was about to say. Actually. <laughs> that's a good answer. But that, but that, <laughs> or it could be. But that's no fun to preach. So, <clears throat> it it well, th- I think you could make. I think I know where you're headed, which is this is all one fruit, right? I mean, uh, that, no, I've I've heard not, that I'm preach. not thinking anything actually. <laughs> I just don't know. I wouldn't. Yeah. If it were me, I would be very cautious about making that point from the grammar. But yeah. you can make it from the concept. Yeah. Because. You line up Galatians 5, 1 Corinthians 13, you know, these, these passages. And, and Paul's point is the fruits are not like the gifts mm. in the sense that the gifts are varied and diverse and everybody gets a piece, right? And, and the whole point is Good. you actually can't be body without other people. The fruits aren't like that. They are always and everywhere, mm-hmm. and they are to be cultivated always and everywhere. You don't get the option to be loving but not good. Uh, so there is a, a wholeness to them mm. that flows from the That's Spirit. Good. Thank you. Well, okay, so while we're on that, let's extend the lot. Let's extend this discussion out a little bit. Is there a logic, right, understanding that they are to be taken wholly? You can't say, well, I have the gift of love, but not the gift of gentleness, so you, sh- you can expect harshness from me. Because uh, I'm loving, but not gentle. Uh, okay, so so loving, there's there's strong. yeah there's a wholeness right to the fruit. Is there a logic to it then? Uh, is there a logic? Why do we start with love and then move on from there? So it's kind of segue also into talking a little bit more about love. Is, is there a logic to the order of the fruit? I've never really thought about like whether there's a logic. I I think the way Paul describes. Uh, and a, a sequence like he's contrasting in this context, you know, um, an ethical life based on like following the Mosaic law, which he talks about. It's like no longer binding in the sense of his dual eschatology. So I think he's more describing what like life in the age to come should look like. So he's using the scriptures, the scriptures here. That's how mm-hmm. I have naively interpreted it, Dr. Keen. So please uh, correct what? my... <laughs> Inferior, understand? <laughs> I love it. 
Not that you need me to love it to, for it to be good. I do. I, I, I love it. I live off of the likes oh, that gosh. I get on my Instagram account. Off the hearts. <laughs> yeah. Ding. Well, Paul does make a distinction elsewhere, right? Tommy, you already mentioned where he mm-hmm. says, you know, faith, hope, and love. But there's a greatest, which for, you know, in certain traditions, you know, for the Roman Catholic tradition, for instance, this becomes charity, which yeah. is something that's very core in Roman Catholic notion of soteriology and everything else. You know, what do we do with that? What do we, how do we handle the fact that there are, or it's, this isn't just a haphazard list. You could throw it out in some other order too. Does it make, does it matter that he starts with love here and then elsewhere he says the greatest is love? I think it does. I mean, I, I think that there's a reason why the accent of, of Paul, of John, you know, John does the same thing in First John. He just keeps going back to love. Uh, of, and both of them, I think, get this from Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. That there's this primacy to love as the greatest of the gifts. And then we have to figure out why. And maybe our, our, our systematic theologian can help us distinguish between the various causes here. But one easy answer is that love is love. As you love, you are engaged in all of the other gifts. Which, which isn't to make the other gifts kind of superfluous. They're distinct aspects mm. of and ways in which we love. Yeah. But as we love, we're engaged in, in everything that the Spirit is calling us to be and to, and, and to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think that I misunderstood the question. I think love comes first. But as far as all the other attributes, like yeah. love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, I don't think he's listing them in order of importance from that point. Yeah, right. It's not like an order yeah. salutist yeah. or yeah, something. Yeah. But yeah, in absolutely. terms of him listing love first, that actually makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, I think one of the problems, though, is, with that, and keep going back to love, is that especially, and actually the sermon from my pastor on Sunday mentioned this, that love just sometimes feels especially in our culture contentless it's this idea this amorphous idea that's a feeling uh, a kind of mystical experience but we don't really what does it mean and uh, mm-hmm. and he was making the point that actually love one way of love is it contrary to commandment love and commandment actually go go together in, in some very concrete ways yeah yeah, I mean, with that in Galatians, love is super through concrete because the context is, you know, table fellowship between Jew and Gentile. Yeah. So yeah. here, I probably when he is citing this list, the original audience would have understood this as like, you should, because of justification, you know, eat and fellowship in a very intimate way with people who are very different from you. Yeah. So love, I don't think it's, you know, the nuances are different in different letters, but I think Galatians, it's definitely like love expressed in terms of table fellowship yeah. with people you otherwise would not have had outside of the gospel. Yeah, That's terrific. Just the immediate concrete application or, or even just manifestation. You know, what is love? What is it? What does it mean? What, how do you um, apply it? And to have it that clear is really great. Like we, we keep commenting on how our systematic theologian needs to speak into this issue, and then we don't let him ever talk <laughs> to yeah. the issue. On that note, <laughs> I have some more things to say. <laughs> That's a good point, Scott. It makes me think about this. Oh, this is good. I mean, 
I'm just learning a lot from all of you. I'm listening well. And, learning about um, why am I here? Not at all. As he says this, dear listener, his head is in his hands. <laughs> There's tears on his cheeks. <laughs> you have said much. We love you, Gray. We love you. Yeah. Completely. No, I, I understand Let's this. Share I, I, feel, a, a, I feel existentially the love. I'll Thank treat you, so you to lunch afterwards. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that very much. Now, a few theological things to say, maybe building off of what all of you have said in a fine-tuned, exegetical sort of pastoral fashion. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I think one of the things that we can say is that at the end of the day, the fruit of the Spirit um, reflects and is a signal to Christ's own character, right? And so we can consider all these fruits, or rather the aspects of the singular fruit, a description of Christ's own character. And if we're talking about the spirit of Christ here, who is now in you, then mm-hmm. you are going to be more and more conformed to that character. Right. So verse um, 24 is a signal to this. The fruit of the spirit is in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And then 24 says, those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And then so if we live by the spirit, we'll have the fruit, which reflects our own union with Christ. So union with Christ is really important getting at what what Scott had said at the beginning of the podcast, as you're united to Christ, which is the gospel itself, you are justified and sanctified. Justification refers to the legal declaration of your righteousness in Christ, which deals with your guilt. Sanctification has to do with the internal renovation of your character, which deals with your corruption. Um, And so when you're being sanctified, this is a product of the gospel. This is a benefit of the gospel rather than a root of the gospel. And so the source of assurance is not in looking to your own sanctification, but to looking to Christ. And to go to First John chapter 2, verse 1 to 2, if we say we have no sin, we're lying. But if we do have sin, we look to Christ who is our advocate, mm-hmm. right? So as we look to Jesus, we're being conformed to his image, and so we will have the singular fruit of the Spirit. So it's important to separate those two, right? That faith and justification by faith, and then the fruit of the Spirit that appear in sanctification. sanctification that's right. Which is not a uh, a source of your sanct- of your assurance per se, mm-hmm. um, but rather is again a fruit of the gospel. Uh, another um, theological idea that that came to my mind was a discussion from John Owen. John Owen talks about the distinction between not to use this metaphor again. This is using it in a different way. The gifts of the Spirit. But in a different sense than what Tommy was talking about, Tommy was talking about spiritual gifts like teaching and administration on the one hand. But but John Owen, when he talks about gifts of the Spirit, he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit to non-believers, mm. which is that these are external, uh, common operations of the Spirit to the non-believer, which gives aspects of this fruits, but never the whole thing, if that makes sense. So you get, some of you already pointed this out. So you get, for instance, um, kindness, but not patience. So you're kind only to one group of people. Patience means you're long-suffering. You want to be tolerant to people who do you wrong or to disagree with you. That's where patience comes in. Um, so some who have the gift of the Spirit might have kindness to their own group, but not patience to another group, right? Um, they might be very self-controlled. Um, they might be, for instance, I don't know, think of a silly example. Before I was a Christian, I was an obese kid, and I was really concerned in getting back in shape, and I had a lot of self-control, but not so much joy, for instance, right? Mm. So you can think of people who are self-controlled, but they get angry pretty often or something like that because they're, they're suppressing and repressing <clears throat> so much. 
So Owen says, with the gifts of this, with the gifts of the Spirit, this piecemeal, it's external, it's not a manifestation of who they are, it's not deeply rooted, it's not indwelled. But he says, with the fruit of the Spirit, this is from the inside out. God mm. has given you all these things, and so you have a singular fruit, and you have all of these aspects of this one fruit that don't usually go together in one person, and you see that in Christ. Yeah, um, that's really helpful, that actually. Really helpful. The the idea, you know, what what makes the fruit spiritual, capital S spiritual, what distinguishes them from yes kindness is the is that it goes deep, like it's a heart. Yeah, wrought. Yeah, and so I, so the gift of the spirit in the unbeliever then is really common you know, grace. Common grace, yeah, that's yeah. right. So this is a part of common speaking, grace. He didn't use well, the term. Well, we saw this though. I mean, when Mike Horton was here talking about the spirit, I thought what was one of the things that was really great about his presentation is just really drawing out how broad we think about the spirit's yeah. work in salvation. But he's like, the spirit is actually doing creation. I mean, yep, right. creation and recreation around you mm-hmm. in a way nature is sustained by spirit. Right. So recognizing these common grace elements of the spirit beyond just the redemptive elements of the spirit. And that's something I think for a lot of Christians, that's that's really interesting news that they weren't aware of. And as you look to Christ, therefore, you really do see him combine all these virtues that don't usually go together Mm. in Mm. normal believers, even or even especially in unbelievers, but also in normal believers, because we have a struggle of how to exemplify all these aspects of the fruit singularly in a unified way or holistically to use the wholeness imperative again. Um, you know, like so, like but, but, but Jesus, however, he does exemplify it holistically. He is whole. He is kind and patient and self-controlled and all those things together. That's another aspect I really appreciate about what you were saying, that, again, to, like, the contentless problem. What is, what is love in mm-hmm. the end if it's not just an idea? Actually, it's rooted in mm-hmm. the revelation of the Son. Mm-hmm the Amadio Christi, right? That we mm. we have content for it because we have a person, Christ, who exemplifies it in every in every way. So I thought that was really helpful. I think it's great. The 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 wholeness <laughs> aspect of the spirit here embodied in Christ. He is the Holy Spirit man and thus, you know, manifests all those fruits. And then the commonness of it is sort of atomized. It lacks that wholeness and they can be individualized in a way that is a bit inappropriate uh, in the way that they yeah. are Holy Spirit uh, uh, founded. I was just going to say our discussion on like um, love has to be like obviously qualified by what Paul says right before. He says you were called to freedom brothers only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another mm. for the whole law hmm, um, is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself so but i think actually it's really striking how paul connects you know peter to your question before how someone might grow in love the way paul answers that at least in galatians is both in terms of understanding the doctrine of justification but then seeing how it plays out in redemptive history and i think he almost assumes that the more you understand what ju- justification is again especially as it's played out in redemptive history it has a way of making you more loving. Because um, the common model is like, okay, I need to be more loving. Come on, get your act together or something like that. But um, I think the way Paul discusses it is like when you see the wonders of what God has done for us in Jesus, justification, and how that represents the promise that he made to Abraham and so forth, you cannot help but become more loving, more by infection rather than like personal resolution. Mm-hmm. So, On that note, I it's pretty common to, to, to talk about love as love is not a noun, it's a verb. You know, I hear that a lot. 
And of course, it's both. It's both a noun and a verb. And I think, to your point, it's also an adverb. We do things lovingly so that all of the work that we do, we can do it in a unloving way, and we can do it in a, in a way that loves, that sacrifices. So I can, pre- I can be two types of preachers. I can preach the word and preach it accurately and powerfully, but also in a way that's more about me than about Christ, mm-hmm. in a way that's not actually sacrificial and loving. Uh, so we want to do, you know, the work that we do and the yeah. work that we're called to do, but to do it, to do all of that work in a loving way. Yeah, yeah I think that's that, that's an important side to all of this, and we've all felt that distinction, right? You, you've heard someone preach, you've had a relationship where there's nothing substantially different, and yet one is done in love as an expression of a disposition of the heart, yeah. right? And one is not, you know, and, 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 and you just, it's sometimes it's hard to put your finger on it, you know, but we've all had that kind of experience. Yeah, and one, one other thing, I mean, to tie before we wrap this up, to tie this to the priority of love, there is this, all joking aside, th- there is this notion of sort of the beating heart of the Mosaic Code mm. is love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and strength. This is the the, the logical extension to God being our God, right? In, the, in Deuteronomy 6, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. What does it mean for him to be our God? We don't own him. We don't possess him. He's not in our back pocket. He's not a idol. What is he? He's covenantally bound to us Hmm. by his own choice. He's bound himself to us and us to him. And the natural response to that is love. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think there's a, there's a sense in which you're, we've all been kind of saying this in different ways, but love is, in some ways, it is um, one of the emotions, one of the passions that comes out of the faith, not to confuse this with old language about passions, but it's one of these lists of, of emotions, which all of these things are. These are all emotional categories, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but it's also kind of a macro emotion. It, 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 as you said, the adverbial use of love. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you know, that, it, that it, it affects and informs everything. You can be a joyful person, but are you one who is joyful out of love? Or you can be a, a, one, a person of self-control, or you, you can be a stoic, you know, but that's not out of love, right? But you can be a self-controlled person out of love. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a common thing, actually. Yeah. People doing the right thing, but not with a heart. The right spirit. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it actually becomes damaging. Yeah. Um, you know, I wash dishes all the time for my wife, yeah. but this not always with a... <laughs> I wish you were hypothetical, Paul, but Asking sadly, no. You know, you do yeah. it, but if you don't do it out of love, she reads it as just condemnation. Yeah. Oh, she, he's yeah. just doing this because, you know, he's just saying I'm not very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Let's come back right. to the Owen thing. It, it gives the appearance of kindness or self-control, but if they all don't go together, then it's not really self-control at the That's end of the right. day. Because if it's self-control control without joy, then you yeah. lose control when you are yeah. wrathful or when yeah. you're provoked. That's right. Your, your kindness be can be weaponized yeah. if it's not with love. There's an older um, scholastic distinction between sins per se and sins per accidents, which sins per se has to do with the actual act of sin. So murder is a sin per se. There's a sins per accident where you're kind to someone just to climb up the ladder or when you are washing dishes for someone, an act of charity perhaps, but just so you can. So the accident is the is the intention? The in, well, or it, the, it, the goal? It, 
Well, formally, it's not a sin, but because of the intention behind it, or yeah. because it's not for a proper end, from a proper principle, then it's no longer a virtue. It's actually still a sin, even yeah. though formally speaking, it's not a sin. Okay, that is great. How again? I don't mean to beat this over the but, but how holistic the word love is. It's not just an outward conformity to the law of God, yeah. but also an inward proper disposition. So you can do the right thing with the wrong motive, and it comes out as sin. Yep, mm-hmm. that's for accidents. And yep. uh, a full act of love, and this is what makes so love so challenging, I guess, and why we can't do it completely on our own. It it takes a Holy Spirit initiated work within us to truly do an act of love, because it requires a outward conformity as well as an inward proper motive, and we, and we just can't do that on our own. And praise God for Christ who allows us and gives us the grace to do so. All right. Well said. Well, thanks. I'm looking forward to this conversation and seeing how this develops over the next few weeks. Um, we've started with love. We're going to continue on and go through the Spirit, maybe ta- the rest of the Fruit of the Spirit, maybe taking a couple of breaks for special episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation with you all. Thanks for being with us. Uh, those of you listening at home, if you'd like to know more about RTS, Please click on the link in the show notes or go to rts.edu forward slash Washington to learn about our campus or just rts.edu to learn about the organization as a whole. Um, We'd love to have you in the classroom learning about these kinds of things and many, many more things. If you've got questions about the fruit of the Spirit, feel free to use that link in the show notes or to reach out to us. I know some of you have grabbed me at other events and said, hey, you need to talk about this. Um, You could also email us as well if you've got our emails, but we'd love to answer questions from the audience. So it's been great to be with you all this week. Look forward to being with you all again next week. Until then, take care. Although I do have an exegetical question as well. Do I have to say that again? Mm-hmm. Well, now you do. Oh. <laughs> now you do. <laughs> you are fine. <laughs> All righty. Your cue is if Tommy writes something, you have to say it again. But that, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's a good cue. <clears throat> I do have a pastoral question because whenever— Since we're doing start overs, go ahead and— Turn it around and aim it at you. Aim it at your mouth like a gun. All right. Okay. Isn't it aimed at my mouth like a gun? Well, it's now? aimed across the front of your mouth. If you, oh, if so you, it's not. It's not a like cardioid mic. It's. Uh, I don't think. I will hear about it from my daughters. They will tell me we couldn't hear Doctor Lee in the yeah, episode. That's good. <sighs> all righty.